You are listening to the Creme of the Crop podcast, sponsored by Vidiums.com. Hello and welcome to the Creme of the Crop podcast. I am here today with Mike O'Mara. Uh, I'm very excited to have him on the show today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Mike? Uh, thank you, Aiden. Uh, Mike O'Mara from Atlantic Retail Properties, located in Needham, Mass. Fantastic. And how did you, let's start from the beginning. How did you get into the to the commercial real estate space? Sure. Uh, I, I started my career on the corporate side, working for retail companies here in the Northeast for about 12 years and, and then segued into the commercial uh, retail real estate brokerage community with C.B. Richard Ellis out of Boston. And then eventually got involved in a very large 1031 exchange transaction and at that point in time decided that uh, the triple net lease space uh, was um, an area that I you know, was very interested in and shifted or pivoted uh, over to that space. And so I've been working in, in this niche of the market since about 2002 and currently I've been with Atlantic Retail since uh, for three years now. And we focus on uh, both buyer and seller representation of primarily single-tenant, triple-net lease properties around the country. We do do some multi-tenant uh, transactions selectively, but our real uh, niche is the single-tenant space. Fantastic. Uh, you know, working in that niche is, is a lot better. You can focus yourself on one specific type of property. I know it very well. Um, do you have a general amount of properties that you you deal with per year just to give us like a, a gauge on the amount of marketing you'd have to go through in a in a year? Well, it it's you know, it's kind of market driven. Uh we're right now there's um I would say uh you know, a little change in in what's happened out there as far as uh cap rates and pricing expectations. We have offices up and down the East Coast and uh, there were, and we just did open LA, but there's two of us exclusively focused on the investment sales arena. Our company is founded and, and grown through retail tenant rep landlord assignments. So, the, you know, the deal flow can range from, you know, 10 deals a year to upwards to 30 deals a year, maybe a little more dependent on. Uh, the type of client, the type of assignment, um, you know, so it's, it's you know, on average um, between two brokers in this field and, and, you know, you get, you get, you see bigger numbers um, from larger shops, obviously, but for a small um, team like ourselves, you know, we're between 20 and 30 deals a year. Okay. Uh, I heard you mention a little bit earlier, I just want to make sure I heard that correctly. You worked a little bit at CBRE? Yes, I started my brokerage uh, career here out of Boston with CBRE New England. They're actually a partnership office here. Okay. Um, it's something I learned a couple of episodes ago. Uh, Marcus and Millchap has their own uh, MLS system uh, within the within the corporate structure. Do you, does CBRE have, have that or uh, Atlantic Realty, the, the company you're with right now? Atlantic doesn't, you know, I think most brokerage companies with any size, uh, they they developed uh, their own internal database, 
uh, Marcus Milchop is clearly the 900-pound gorilla out there. So what they do would be totally different than what, what we do at Atlantic. Uh, but we do use our own CRMs to um, manage our deal flow. Oh, fantastic. Sorry, something just popped in the background. I was trying to confuse. Um, okay, fantastic. Let's uh, move over to the uh, the way you market your properties, uh, your marketing avenues. Uh, kind of walk us through uh, three, you know, the, the different types of ways that you market your properties. Sure. So the marketing has clearly evolved uh, since when I first got into the space. Um, you know, most brokerage companies have their own internal database, client base, and that is, you know, typically where you'll start the marketing process for any new property. Uh, obviously, everyone knows LoopNet and CoStar. Back in the day when LoopNet was a standalone entity, that was one of the primary vehicles to market property on a national and global basis. So, Every broker uh, that I know has used that um, as it's as that marketplace has matured. What has really come about is some of these e-list blast services that I call. You know that um, mm -hmm. people will use property campaign, property blast. Uh, you know, there's probably I think the market's actually a little saturated, and and they have lost. Um, I think a lot of the lists have become redundant. I guess that's what I'm looking for. So the value of those lists today is not quite what it was probably 10 to 5 years ago. So we're always evolved and looking for new ways to get our property out the door. You know, there are so many deals that come across via email. I think it's very crowded, and and I think. People would, um, tend to start to opt out of lists because they just get too many deals that aren't specific, uh, both um, geogra geographically, uh, price point, asset size, so forth. And so you get bogged down with just looking at email that's not relevant. So um, we really, you know, use a variety of channels, including LoopNet and CoStar, uh, and some of these external list servicers. Um, we believe in you know tapping out to all the other brokerage networks because most of these deals are done with a co-broke and look for new channels so um, it's evolving and I think you have to evolve um, with this market and you know the, with the advent of all this this uh, technology and disruption that's happening in the brokerage community how uh, how reliant are you on on loops sorry uh, costar and loopnet I think I'm more reliant on CoStar these days, just for the pure research aspect, uh, we, we, you know, it's an automatic. We put our deals up on LoopNet, um, but some of this goes back to, you know, rolling up your sleeve and and calling principals and calling brokers and uh, networking within the, you know, the the other um, venues, including CPAs, tax attorneys, lenders. And, and just really kind of push your deal out. How do you set it apart from, uh, you know, if you're selling a CVS, how do you set, set that apart from someone else that's selling a CVS? And if you look on LoopNet, there's probably 100 for sale out there. So, um, you know, there are things you got to do, and uh, sometimes it's like fishing. You put your line in the water and you get the bite. Other times you don't. I couldn't agree more. 
with the with the email you were talking about uh, and something you just mentioned, trying to stand out. Have you, uh, you, you know, you said that the email marketing has been saturated with, you know, e-property push, big boy blast, CRE push, all those uh, different services. Have you tried to kind of evolve your marketing campaigns to stand out from the rest? Uh, I know I have personal experience doing this. I get, you know, those 150, 200 emails a day from all those services. So I totally understand that. Um, have you have you tried to evolve your marketing campaigns at all? Because of that, well, well, I'm always looking to evolve, but I'm not a tech platform, so uh, I look for the services out there. And I think one that has come online and has really made a huge splash, and and they're getting more and more market share is Krexki. I think it's C R E X I. Krexki, yeah, Krexki. I think they're called. Yeah. Um, so I met those guys out in Vegas last year and was, a, I would say, a pretty early adopter in uh, the brokerage community and, you know, loved what they do and how they use AI and just segment deals. I think they're really, really smart. And I've seen a huge um, shift from the brokerage community to go over there versus what LoopNet does. So that's an example. Um, I'm, I'm evaluating a few other things and, and also trying to work on our own internal uh, CRM to make sure you know we, we're segmenting our buyers and sellers um, by you know a variety of factors including uh, geography, tenant type, price point, asset type, and so forth. You know, I'm hearing a lot of good things about Crexy uh, recently, including my own father's moving over to that platform. Uh, purely based on, again, like you said, that the AI aspect of it, uh, the ease of use, uh, it's not, you know, it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg every single month <laughs> uh, as far as, you know, yep. other services are. Um, there, I, I wanted to talk about AI, but a little bit later uh, in the show, I had a couple questions for you on that. Uh, but if you had to pick, you know, your your number one, two marketing avenues that work the best for you, have the best uh, return on that investment in time, uh, what would you pick and why? I think that's changed, but I would say today the number one thing is our own internal database. Uh, we continue to, you know, capture new prospects uh, through the other channels. And, and then again, I think I would go back to Kreksky. Um I have not um, upsized yet to sign up and, and pay a subscription yet. So right now I'm looking at that and knowing that um, I'm not getting the exposure that other um, users are, but I, I'm evaluating it because we are subscribed to CoStar and Luca. And, you know, they are the 900-pound gorilla in this space. So I'm not going to walk away from there. I know there's a lot of... Um, frustration in the brokerage community with their pricing and, and things like that, but um, that's probably you know the the other most important resource that we continue to use. Okay, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Uh, let's let's move over to the, the the marketing that you see as a consumer. Uh, obviously, you've been able to see new things in the space like Crexy, you know, using artificial intelligence uh, and all these different tech platforms. Have you seen anything? Uh, other than Crexy, because I know you spoke on that a little bit, uh, that has caught your attention. You might want to, you know, look into it more, uh, adopt it yourself. Uh, something you haven't mentioned yet. Anything like that you've seen? Well, I'm looking at a few other startups out there, and I think um, because the space is 
become crowded and um, I don't want to say diluted. I'm trying to figure out who's out there that could help me better tell my story about an asset for sale. Why why should you consider this asset? And what things aren't being picked up in the typical OM that brokers put together? Um, are there things in the OM that we can do better? Always. So, you know, I think it's, it's an ongoing process. There's a lot of new stuff coming out. So, um, I'm, I'm looking at every every new opportunity out there to try to find something that will help differentiate uh, our services. Well, I know we're going to talk about this later, but uh, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring here with Vidium's. Uh, we, that's exactly what we try and do. I uh, try and tell your story a little bit better, uh, but you know this isn't this isn't a plug for myself. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, so you know you're looking for someone to stand out more. Uh, you know, if you ever find anything that that helps you tell your story a little bit, bit better, other than myself, I'd love to hear about it. Um, you know, I'm always looking for new things to try and incorporate into our own services or be able to even talk about on the show. So uh, please let me know if you ever find anything. Um, moving over to trends, uh, we talked a little bit before this conversation about you, you know you've seen drones being used and, and kind of evolving in the space. Uh, how have you seen them evolve? I know you mentioned that a little bit. Well, I think drones are the perfect example of something that we'd like to explore further because it gives you the opportunity to actually show the market in real time, you know, everything someone would want to know about the asset who sit in, in a different state or the other side of the United States um, where they can get as much information as they as possible up front without actually visiting the site. And and sometimes, you know, these investors won't visit the site um because they they've got boots on the ground or they've been there and they and they're comfortable with the credit and the and the real estate and and you know that's that that happens. But I think drones and video will be able to take um you know storytelling and and help transact uh, assignments um, to uh, you know a new level. I mean, everybody wants um, speed to market. They want efficiency, and if you can do it with drones, I think that uh, you know has a lot of potential. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I, I know you know drones have been around a long time, uh, especially in the commercial real estate space. Is there a reason you haven't uh, you know jumped? Into that uh, into that avenue yet? You know, is there any hesitation uh, on why you haven't explored that yet? Well, when you say a long time, I think that's relative because I don't think they've been around that long in commercial real estate space. And I think uh, one of the challenges is access. Uh, you know, how do you find the right drone service or pilot, and how do you package that? And I don't think I think that's an untapped market. And and you know, if you can shed light on that, I'm, I'm all ears. Um, I think it, it is, and I've seen some brokers use it, and it helps me understand the real estate. So I, I know the value. It's, it's, you know, a situation where uh, I think there's just doesn't seem to be enough access to drone video um, at this point in time. So I think there's a huge opportunity there. You know, I'd love to shine a little bit of light on this, uh, especially with my background. Uh, the, the number one thing I've seen in the space is the disconnect between the commercial real estate broker and the drone pilot and the video production person. I'll explain that. 
So the the thing that I've seen and where my business was was born was you know brokers don't understand pilots. Brokers don't don't fly drones at least for the most part. I do have one client that does fly his own drones, but um, they they don't understand you know what does the pilot see? Why why is he flying in this way rather than that way? And the same goes the other way. The pilot has absolutely no, no knowledge in commercial real estate. They don't know, you know, that the buyer wants to see the Sonic across the street or the ballpark down the road. They're just flying from a, oh, this looks kind of cool perspective. You know, oh, this brick wall looks nice. Let's put the sunset behind it and fly for 10 seconds. You know, and that doesn't work as far as a buyer goes. The buyer doesn't care about the sunset. He cares about the numbers and you know, where this property is located, where the traffic is coming from. And that's where I've seen the huge disconnect in the space. And to, to put the cherry on top, drone pilots, uh, for anyone that's listening, hate video editing. They hate it. Every single one of them hates it. They will put almost zero effort into editing, even if they offer it as a service. Uh, every single pilot I talk to thanks their lucky stars and, and praises us that, that they don't have to do the editing. Uh, so if, if I can give any advice to anyone looking for a drone pilot, don't ever ask him to edit it because it will look terrible and they will put zero effort into it. Uh, that, that is what I've seen in the space. Uh, I've really seen that disconnect tear apart a lot of marketing materials that could have been so much better but they just they just weren't because there's that miscommunication and misunderstanding from from the different mindsets. Uh, I, I've been talking enough about this. I could go on for hours. Uh, um, let's let's move on to. It sounds like it sounds like maybe I should get my drone pilot's license, Ben. <laughs> um, you know you're you're free to uh, absolutely. It's actually not that hard. I've done it myself. It took about uh, ten days and five dollars. Uh, I mean, other than exactly. owning the drone. The, the license itself was only five bucks, so which really? I found to be a little bit too low of a bar. But you know, I'm not the FAA, so right. Uh, let's on, uh, on let's that. On. Uh, well, one one oh, one point on that. I think part of the issue with commercial real estate community in general is that it seems to me, on the surface, that the regulations with FF, FAA um, are complicated and they're cost prohibitive, and so I think that is something that needs to be better communicated um, to how the brokerage community and commercial real estate community collectively can, you know, access this resource. I Absolutely. We have too many experiences where, uh, you know, the, the property that was brought to us that needs to be filmed is not a, literally a, a stone's throw from the main runway in an airport. And, you know, we just we can't fly there or our drone's going to get knocked out of the sky or the airport's going to get locked down and we're going to be thrown in jail. And so, you know, yeah, there, there are a lot of restrictions. Um, there's a lot of ridiculous restrictions, too, for anyone that's curious. Um, you know, there's a lot of places like schools, for instance, you're technically not allowed to fly around a school. Well, you wouldn't believe how many schools there are. If you look on on drone uh, photography app. There are schools literally on every other street. It's it's insane. Uh, and and with airports, especially in the the Dallas Houston area, I swear to God, there are there's an airport every hundred feet. It's insane. Mm -hmm. So that's that's actually where our uh, satellite packages came into play. That's how we, I mean we had never even thought about that when we started. Uh, we had no idea 
the the amount of restrictions that there were. I mean, we had, we had a little bit of a taste, but you know that that's that's how our uh, use of satellite imagery came into play and and why now we're able to cover every property no matter where it is, even if it's in a restricted space. Great, I'd love to learn more. Fantastic. We'll uh, we'll go ahead and talk about that a little more. We've talked uh, a lot about drones, so let's move on to. Uh, something that's been in the space for a while, but I'm personally seeing a lot of businesses pop up and uh, try and take their own, uh, you know, viewpoint on it is, is dedicated websites for properties. Um, I've I've actually myself built a few for uh, for some properties here and there just to get the experience. Uh, but I know that there's a lot of businesses out there like Build Out and and a couple of others that are doing their own way. Have you had any experience in this? Have you, you know, seen properties been marketed through this? Do you think it's effective? You know, talk a little bit about that. Uh, sure. Actually, uh, I use ClientLook, which has an add-on with BuildOut that I have not really utilized at this point. And I've seen, I, I think it's more frequent for, say, larger development projects, or I've seen more of it on residential projects. So okay. I think it's... Um, scale economics, you know, for brokers to actually create a new website every time. Um, you know, you, you need to have a good marketing IT department. And, and if you're not part of the institutional guys, you know, that can be a challenge, both uh, cost and, and manpower. Uh, absolutely. The, the prices are uh, a bit out there from what I've seen. Uh, so I, I definitely see how, how it being cost prohibitive to, you know, boutique firms or, or smaller firms. Uh Another thing, one of the last things I wanted to talk about was this discussion slash debate that I'm both trying to start and take part in is shorter offering memorandums versus longer offering memorandums. I've gotten a lot of questions about this on, on my personal opinion and, and others that you know we talk about on the show. Uh, what is your take on you know which is better in what situation? I think uh, offer, offer memorandums are not you know, really effectively used and put together. I think... Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, when I'm an investor, uh, you know, or I'm a broker, I want to know the salient facts of the deal. I don't need to know all the fluff of the state or, you know, the universities. I don't really need to... I really don't read all the demographic data. I mean, there's four to ten pages on average is just taking up space in my viewpoint. You know, you mm -hmm. want to capture someone's attention first, and that has to be done with the initial contact. And so what's what's important when I look at something or a representative seller? It's, well, who's the tenant? What's the credit? Uh, what are the lease terms? What is the surrounding immediate real estate? If I can't get past those three or four pages right out of the gate, then the rest of the stuff is useless. So I think that could these OMs could definitely use some adjustment. Absolutely, that's the same exact viewpoint I have. Uh, you know, in those thousands of emails I get a week, I, I see offering memorandums that are literally forty to fifty pages long, which I just think is insane. And I'm not I'm not a broker. I know I'm not reading through them, but I just I can't imagine anyone sitting down and reading a hundred different offering memorandums that are 40 to 50 pages. So I totally understand that. Right. And I, I'm guilty of uh, preparing those too. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I, I'm speaking from, uh, you know, my mouth, but um, I just think there are things you could do 
um, with the information to make it more concise. And, uh, you know, maybe videos and drones are, are a perfect solution. Well, I hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we're, we're winding down to the end of uh, the conversation. Uh, this is the time to plug yourself, talk about any properties, services you might want to uh, market a little bit. Uh, no no real plug here. I think it's still a relationship business, and whoever you use, hopefully you, you, know, you trust them. Uh, Atlantic Retail has been around for almost 30 years. We're a well-known entity out there, and, uh, you know, we work with a lot of people around the country. So, you know, like who you uh, work with, trust them, and it's, it's got to be mutual on both sides of the uh, transaction. Okay. I appreciate you coming on the show, Mike, uh, greatly. Uh, I have a wonderful conversation with you both during and before the show. Uh, I'll absolutely make sure to get you more information on our services a little bit later. Uh, but for now, thank you for coming on the show, and have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for the opportunity and look forward to talking further. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.